Psalm 51, the sermon today, entitled, Why Clean? Why Clean? We're going to talk about David this morning, Psalm 51. You see the pictures on the screen. I, I was going to say to you that the first picture there at the top of that very dirty, messy, unkept room was Emily Payne's. But I realized that uh, that picture would not do her room justice. Her room is much more unsettled and dirty and clean, not clean than that. So uh, I should have taken a picture of your room, Emily. <laughs> why clean? I've often thought that as a, as a man. Why clean? My wife loves a clean house, and she grew up in a home that was kept immaculately clean. Um, to me, I have wondered through the years, why clean? Why make the bed? We are going to just undo it tonight. <laughs> just saying. And do you really get rid of dust? I, I'm just saying, you know, dust, you just kind of move it. I don't think anybody really destroys it, right? So <laughs> why clean? <laughs> You see the man there in the bottom, and now he, you look at his clothes, his dirty clothes, and you might say, why clean? Some of you ladies would say he had better clean before he comes into my living room or parlor, right? But why clean? But why do we clean? I have, I have had jobs before where um, there were facilities we had to watch after and make sure they were clean, and, and to clean, we need to sanitize. You know, you've taken those little wipes that have become popular and pull it out and wipe down our area or maybe a squirt into the hand and clean our hands. But one thing that cleaning can do is to sanitize. That can help us avoid sickness. It can help us avoid disease, germs. Sometimes we clean for safety. If it's a facility like this church building, we, we need to keep it clean. We need to keep it orderly because hundreds of people come in and out of here every week and it needs to be safe. So there are reasons for cleaning as much as I wouldn't like to admit that this morning to myself. And sometimes we just clean for appearance sake. We just want our home or our vehicle or whatever it is to look good and to take care of that investment for appearance sake. So why do we clean? But this morning I want to talk to us spiritually speaking. There's no doubt at all that we need to clean. But let me say it better. Let me say that better this morning. We need cleansing from God. I want to make it very clear this morning, one of the big things on my heart today is we do need to be clean, but we, spiritually speaking, cannot sufficiently clean ourselves. We cannot sufficiently cleanse ourselves. We need a cleansing from God. And David's story of sin, of great sin, but then of cleansing, of great cleansing, teaches us a great deal. And I hope I can get it across this morning. If you look with me in your Bible, Psalm 51, starting at verse number 1. This is David speaking to us. David writing this psalm. Have mercy upon me, O God. According to your loving kindness, according to the multitude of your tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Verse 2, he says, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me 
from my sin. David had indeed sinned. David had sinned badly. It started with the sin of covetous. He coveted. He looked at another man's wife and he wanted her for himself. That covetousness led to committing adultery. He sinned. And then that sin of adultery led to him committing murder to try to cover it up. He sinned again. It all started at David putting himself in a vulnerable place. And I want to tell every one of us we need to be cautious and careful how we live, where we go, and who we hang out with. But David, one writer said it this way, David stays home while the army is in the field And he's relaxed by shrinking from his duty. It was the time when the kings would go out to war. The army was out to war. The army was out in the fields. But David, the commander-in-chief, was at home not fulfilling his duty. We put ourselves in danger when we avoid being where God wants us being and functioning in the the calling that God has for us and being around God's people. We put ourselves vulnerable. He was not where he should have been and it cost him dearly. Let me tell every one of us, we need to know our God-given duty, our God-given assignment, and our God-given placement in our lives. And after we know those things, we need to be there. We need to be there and be faithful to those things. But he wasn't. He wasn't. He walked outside. He sees Bathsheba. He sees, and then he stares. Hello this morning. We can see a lot of temptation, but that doesn't mean we have to stare at the temptation. He sees. He stares. Let me tell every one of us, a good run is better than a bad fall any day. And there are some things in our lives that, let's just be honest, we are not strong enough to deal with. And instead of standing there and staring, a good run is better than a bad fall. Flee, Paul said. Flee. He sees. He stares. And then he obsesses. He sees. He stares. And then he obsesses. And then ultimately he commits adultery with this lady Bathsheba. Ultimately, he has her husband murdered in a cover-up attempt. Ultimately, he sins, and he sins badly. Then step on the stage the prophet Nathan, a man anointed by God, a man sent by God to come to David and to point out the hard truth. I thank God that he has placed within the body of Christ people who will teach and who will preach and who will mentor and who will show us the truth in love. Accountability is a good thing. Accountability as an individual and accountability in marriage, accountability in the church house is a good thing. And Nathan comes to David and he confronts him about his sin. At that point, David had, I guess, two choices. He could listen. He could acknowledge his sin and and try to deal with that. 
or he could rebel. Many times as I was studying this week for this sermon, that word rebel kept popping out at me. It kept finding it in different things I was reading. When we hear the word of God, when we hear sin called what it is and that it is sin, when someone points out sin in our lives or when the word of God or the Holy Spirit clarifies something sinful in our lives that need to be dealt with, we have one or two choices. We can acknowledge it and allow Christ to cleanse us or we can rebel against the truth. And thank God for David's sake, he did not rebel, which brings us this beautiful passage in Psalm 51. Let's keep going down through the passage. Look at verse three, please. David says, for I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is always before you. Against you, verse four, and you only have I sinned and done this evil in your sight. We can look in the mirror and we can say, my sin is not hurting anyone but myself, but any sin is against God. And any sin is hurting God. Any sin is separating us from God. And any sin that we commit, some sins might also be against other people, but every sin, all sins, are against God. And David recognized his sin. He recognized that his sin was against God. And then the last part of verse 4, that you may be found just when you speak and blameless when you judge He's beginning a process of confession. The Bible says, if I confess my sins, he is faithful and just to forgive me of my sins. That's a beautiful promise. Confession is a good thing. So he begins the process of confession because he needs to be cleaned. He needed cleaning. He needed cleansing. And we need God's cleansing. We need to have a clean heart and we need to have a clean life. And that's where God steps in and we need God to create these things for us. We need creative power from God into our lives. What do you mean, pastor? Uh, Create means to bring something into existence. We need God to create a clean heart into existence in our lives. We can't buy a clean heart. We can't earn a clean heart. We can't merit a clean heart. We can't work our way up to a clean heart. In ourselves, our righteousness is as filthy rags in the sight of God. But the good news is God can create a clean heart in us. Look at verse five and six. It talks about just what I was talking in. It it tells us we were all born in a sinful nature. We are all born into sin. And once we reach an age of accountability, then we must give account for that sin. Now there is grace and there is mercy and understanding for for a baby and for a young child. They're covered by God's grace. But once that child is old enough to know right from wrong, that child becomes accountable for the sin nature because we're all born into sin. Start it back with the fall and the curse from Adam. Look at verse five. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity and in sin my mother conceived me. Verse six, behold, 
You desire truth in the inward parts and in the hidden part. You will make me to know wisdom. We need him in the inner parts of our lives to create cleanness in us. A blueprint can be used to create a large building. A piece of sheet music can be put on a stand and someone can take an instrument and they can use that sheet music and create a lovely sounding song. A recipe can be taken and created a meal or even apple butter. But only God, through this written word, can create a clean heart. And so David knew this, and in verse 7 he says to God, Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. He was basically referring to the most potent thing he could think of to clean and get the job done. Some of you ladies might reference whatever it is that you squirt, squirt, and scrape, scrape with. But he said, purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. It is the beauty of salvation knowing that all of us have sinned, yes. But all of us through the blood of Christ can be made washed whiter than the snow. Then he goes on to say, make me hear joy and gladness that the bones that have broken may rejoice. You see, he had walked, and maybe you have been here and done that. He had walked under incredible guilt. He had walked and lived under incredible shame. No doubt he was facing in terrible regret. Only if I could go back, only if I could change things. Maybe you have been there. Maybe I have been there. And then on top of that, then the convicting power of the Holy Spirit was pressuring up on him. You've got to make this right. Maybe you have been there. Maybe you have felt the convicting, correcting power of the Holy Spirit dealing with your life. And finally, he comes to a place where he's going to find relief. He's going to confess. He's going to let God create. And then joy can be restored in his life. I want to tell every one of us this morning, when we come to Christ, when we lay it down, when we confess our sins, when we confess where we've been wrong, and He creates a newness and cleanses us, then that joy is returned to our lives. And our bones live again. It's a beautiful thing. It's an act of grace. And it's all God. (laughs) It is all God. My job is to acknowledge and confess, but he does the cleansing and he returns the joy of your salvation. So not only do we need him to create, but we need him to renew. Let me preach right here this morning about renewing a right spirit or a steadfast spirit within me. When I talk about being renewed, it speaks to resuming An activity after an interruption. It it talks about reestablishing a relationship. There has been something there. There has been a relationship. There has been positive activities. But then there was a pause. There was an interruption. There was a detour. 
And how many of us sometimes feel like we have found ourselves growing in God, growing in Christ, pursuing holiness, pursuing godliness, trying to live right, only to find somewhere along the way we have regressed. We have turned. We have fallen short or we have even sinned or slackened. But I want to tell us this morning, there is renewing in God. The grace of God. The mercy of God. And if our relationship has become distant, God says, I want to renew that relationship with you again today. I want to resume. I want to reestablish relationship. One writer called it the word revive or revival. Renew me. Revive me. Bring me back to where I need to be. My connection with you. Look at verse number 9 and 10. David said, hide your face from my sins. See, those are the things that were separating David and God. Those were the things coming between their relationship. But he said, hide your face from my sin. Blot out my iniquities. The beautiful thing is that God desires to hide his face from our sin. The beautiful thing is God desires to cast our sin as far as the east is from the west. Even into what the Bible calls the sea of forgetfulness. God desires this. Do I desire it? Do you desire it? And he said, and blot out all my iniquities. I can't get rid of this sin. I can't get rid of the effects of it. I can't clean myself. It's so frustrating. But all I have to do is say, God, blot it out. And he's faithful and just to do that. And then in verse 10, create in me a clean heart. I just wish that I could preach this this morning. I just wish that I could preach it how I feel it. I wish that I could convey it to you as I have felt it all throughout the week and how this phrase has just rolled in my mind and in my spirit all week long. Create in me a clean heart, oh God. If you can grab a hold of one sentence today and take it with you, it would be that. Create in me a clean heart, oh God. He goes on and then he says, and renew a right or steadfast spirit within me. What's he saying right there? Put me back on the right path and keep me going. Put me back in the right way and keep me committed to it. Steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. The most awful feeling in the world is feeling separated from the presence of God. One of the worst feelings in the world is when we have grieved the Holy Spirit or we have sinned and we can't sense God and be in His presence and we can't feel the Holy Spirit because there's something between us in our relationship with God. But the good news is God wants to renew us. He wants to renew us in his Holy Spirit and renew us in his presence. This world is tough. Sometimes living for God is tough. Sometimes the temptations and the barriers that we face are tough and difficult. But I believe that God in those times wants to engulf us in his presence. He has sent the Holy Spirit to help us, to guide us. 
And sometimes we just need to get in a place like this and in a setting like this where the Holy Spirit is moving and allow the Holy Spirit to renew us one more time. Have you ever had the Holy Spirit renew you? Refresh you? Sometimes we go through long obstacles, long trials, long situations, month after month. Or maybe year after year. But those times, just those brief moments sometimes in the presence of God can make all the difference. And can renew us. And strengthen us. And then finally, it can restore us. Look at verse 12. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. I remember what it used to be, David said. He said, I remember out with the sheep and how we fellowshiped and how I would sing and how you blessed me and you anointed me. And at times you raised me up and I, I, I was able to slay the bear and the, and the lion. I remember when you quickened me that day and I went out and I defeated Goliath and I remember the victories and the good times. I remember how you led me beside the still waters. I remember how you restored my soul. I remember that fellowship sweet. And David is saying here, restore to me the joy of your salvation I believe that's a word to us this morning God restore in each one of us the joy of your salvation and then as I walk through this pilgrim way as I walk this path of life look at that last part of that verse uphold me by your generous spirit he will not leave us alone he will restore us restore bring us back Restore, reinstate, restore, return to a former condition. Restore, return to a former position. Some people restore houses. Some people restore cars. Some people take a piece of furniture and they restore that furniture. And then they can look back at that. They can take that car down to Pigeon Forge and park it on the sidewalk with about 15 million other cars. And they can step back and they can look at that car with joy. I've restored it. What year is that, buddy? Well, it's a 1952. I restored it. Some people can restore a home and then open the door and take you through and with great joy show you how they restored that home. But there isn't anything better than the restoration of our salvation and the joy thereof. Restore unto me the joy of your salvation. And then uphold me. One final thought before we finish up this morning. If you hit up that last slide this morning. You see there... Picture of trash on the curb. Again, I would say that that would be the trash that Isaac took to the curb to pick up, but he probably forgot it again this week. And then on the bottom, you see a picture of, of treasure. Sin is like filth. Sin is like trash. Let's just put it out there. Sin is not pretty. Sin is not good. It doesn't bring any good thing from it. The Bible tells us some things about sin. The Bible says there is 
pleasure in sin, but only for a season. I'll tell you, the aftertaste is not very good, is it? The after effects are not very good. The only thing that sin brings, I call them the three D's, is, is death, disappointment, and destruction. Sin is filthy. Sin is trash. God doesn't want sin in our lives, not so much because he wants to sit and just make a bunch of rules and, and control us. He doesn't want sin in our lives because it hurts and damages our lives and the lives of others. Sin can make us feel, hear me this morning, sin can make us feel useless. Sin can make us feel no better than a can of trash sitting at the curb, waiting to be picked up and taken to the landfill. But I want to tell us this morning by the authority of God's word, we don't have to feel or live or be that way. There is mercy, there is grace. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. He will create in us. He will renew in us. He will restore us. He can turn my trash into his treasure. David can relate to this. Remember we were talking about him. He coveted. He committed. What did he commit? He committed adultery. He committed murder. And he... he but he was cleansed. You know what? It's not any of my business what your list of sin or sins may be this morning. Not any of my business whatsoever. But God knows. But the good news is God wants to cleanse them. God wants to take the trash that has been put on the inside and instead put treasure on the inside. And make us not useless, but useful. This really grabbed me when I was studying and thinking that the, sin will make us feel useless, but God wants to make us feel useful. Psalm 51, 13. Put it up if you don't mind. Here's what happened. God created a new clean spirit in, in David's life. He cleansed him. He renewed him. He restored him. And then David said, then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will be converted to you. The beautiful thing is each one of us can be cleansed, we can be restored, we can be renewed. And then God can turn us into one of the best witnesses for him. He can use us for the glory of his kingdom. He can use us to show transgressors their ways. He can use us to help others be converted. This treasure that can come to us on the inside. Look with me, 2 Corinthians 4, 7. Or you may not have time to get there. They can put it up for us. 2 Corinthians 4, 7. Paul said this, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. That's the conclusion of the matter. In me I have had sin, but because of God in me I can have the excellence of the treasure of the power of God.
The Lord shines brightest through those who have been broken and then given themselves to his use. One writer wrote that and I wrote it down. The Lord shines brightest through those who have been broken and then given themselves to his use. Sin might have broken you temporarily, but God can restore you eternally. Would you stand with me this morning all over this house? Would the praise team come and can you just sing that very first song that you all did this morning about Jesus come to my rescue? That's how I want us to pray together this morning before we leave. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and restore a steadfast spirit within me. Would you bow your heads, please, all over this congregation? We're going to sing and and pray this as our, our song before we leave this morning. The altar is open if you need to come and pray. If you want to come and pray, if you need to come and ask Jesus Christ into your heart, if you feel like you need to be renewed, if you feel like you need to be restored, if you want God to to further help you teach transgressors their ways and convert sinners, whatever it might be, if you have a need or or a desire, this altar is open. You can come and, and pray together. But as we corporately right now are praying, the altar is open, you can come. I ask each one of us before we leave these property this morning, leave these premises, leave this property. How is my relationship with Jesus Christ? There are a lot of things that I can answer for you or you can answer for me. There are a lot of things I can answer for my wife or she can answer for me. But there's one thing that only I alone can answer for, and that is how is my relationship with God through Jesus Christ? There's one thing and one thing only that you can answer for, and that's your relationship with God through Jesus Christ. So I say it this morning, how about your heart? Is it right with God? One song said it this way, how about your heart? Is it right with God? That's the only thing that counts today. So I say to all of us as we pray as individuals, as you stand there and and search your heart and, and communicate with God, I say to us, why don't we just ask God to create in us a clean heart, oh God, and renew a right spirit within me. Let's sing it this morning. Pray it this morning. Let the Holy Spirit touch you before we leave here today. I need you, Jesus, to come to my rescue.